Welcome to the Clear Admit MBA Admissions Podcast. I'm Graham Richmond, and this is your Wiretaps for Monday, August 30th, 2021. I'm joined by Alex Brown from Cornwall, England. How are things going, Alex? Very good, Graham, except my local pub is shut down. What? Why? Is this related to the whole COVID, or is it something else? Yeah, COVID. Wow. Yeah. So big problem here down in Gonwallow, Cornwall. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, that's yeah. a shame. Is yeah. that something that's happening across the UK, like with with Delta and stuff? I think if, you know, if one of your staff goes sick or something like that, and yeah, it's, it's become a bit of a problem. We're, we're in the height of tourist season, so it doesn't completely surprise me. Yeah, I understood. Yeah, and I'm, I'm in New York uh, recording today, and New York City is an interesting thing because they have this sort of pass that you that they're implementing where if you want to go inside somewhere, you got to show that you're vaccinated or that you have, I think you can show that you've just been tested or something. But so, yeah, things are, um, yeah, people are kind of, you know, kind of clamping down, trying to keep this thing from getting any more, gaining any more speed with, with the spread. But we'll see. Um, it's got to be challenging for the schools, I would think, because here we are, you know, I, I think over the summer, the view was, wow, we're finally going to get back in person this fall. And I think that's still what most schools are planning um, and, and probably what will happen. But I think it's going to be, you know, masked indoors, uh, regular testing of the student population and faculty. I think most schools are requiring vaccination or certainly a lot of them are. So, yeah, this is going to be an interesting rollout, although, frankly, probably better than, you know, last year's rollout where schools really, you know, everything was virtual. And so I, I think, I, you know, students coming back this year will have some semblance of a regular experience, um, or at least more so than their, their peers from the year prior. So it's interesting, though, and I, I, I feel for the schools that are trying to deal with all, you know, the administrators trying to deal with bringing, you know, students onto campus for the first time in a long time. Challenging process. Yeah, that's for sure. So uh, over on the website, I think we we don't have any news about you know essay topic analyses or recommendation letters because I believe we've actually posted all of them now. So if you're applying to a top school and you want our advice on how to tackle their essays, just go to the ETAs on our site. Um, you can read the essay questions the school asks as well as our um, analysis of how to respond. And we also have all the recommendation letter uh, questions posted as well for, for the top schools. So you can see what your recs are going to be tasked with, with answering. I have a question for you on that, Graham, actually. All right. Um, <laughs> it, it completely slipped my mind when we were prepping for this podcast. So I'll put you on the spot. Okay. Um, our colleague Lauren sent me the, um, the ETA essay topic analysis. We call it ETA for the acronym, um, for ISA, um, yesterday and asking for feedback and they're, they're what, either their first or their only or I forget which question it is they're basically saying tell us about um, a role model someone you admire um, basically tell us about them and why do you admire them and how they've impacted you and we're often concerned when answering this question that somebody shouldn't choose their parent um, my pushback to Lauren was actually, well, what if you were raised in a single parent family by a parent who hadn't gone to university and she had, you know, basically given up everything to ensure that you had the opportunities to go to university? Would that be a good um, role model to, 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 to address? And I wasn't sure. I thought, well, actually, we should ask Graham. So rather than Lauren email you and ask the question, I'll ask you right on this podcast. 
All right. Yeah. So I, I think this is a fascinating one. And I know that you and I, I don't know if it was when you were putting together the book on admission strategy, but I feel like we've talked about this a little bit and that, yeah, it's it's like the the areas that you normally tell people to steer clear of are mom and dad or, you know, Steve Jobs, Elon Musk, Gandhi, you know, all, all the like sort of famous individuals that schools maybe see over and over again. And so um, with that said, the, the example that you described to me is a perfect fit for this kind of an essay. I mean, if you really did grow up in that kind of a situation and had a, a parent put everything on the line for you, there's, I don't see a problem with it. Also, it does give you a chance to convey the uniqueness of like your situation yeah. in that, in that instance. So I like that as a response. I think the only thing that I would say when you're choosing someone, you know, and this is a question that comes up in other contexts, right? So some schools might ask you in an interview about someone you admire. Um, so, so this is good, whether you're applying to ESA or somewhere else. I think that it's, um, it, it's tricky in that you want to avoid the obvious, but also I feel like you want to be somewhat strategic in who you pick. Like, you know, if your whole kind of storyline is that you're passionate about, I don't know, impact investing, um, then it might be smart if the person you look up to is someone who's maybe made amazing strides in that field or that you've worked with in that domain or like as opposed to something completely from left field. Like I think you want to be careful about who you're picking. And so I don't know if you agree with that, but this is a tough question. I, I personally find these questions really difficult to answer, you know, as a candidate. Yeah, no, I, I do too. Who do you most admire, Graham? Oh, I knew you were going <laughs> <laughs> to put you on the spot properly now. I don't really, um, this is why I hate these questions is because I don't, I guess, um, I don't know if it's because I'm just like an egomaniac or something, but I just have not someone who's like consistently been like, wow, I want to be like that person. Like, I'm just trying to be me. And so I, that's why I have trouble with these questions. Like, I don't, I mean, there are people that I think have done amazing things, but I don't, I don't know. I'm not someone who, you know, this, like, I don't read a lot of, um, nonfiction. I don't, you know, I tend to read fiction. Like I'm not someone who reads the biography of every great leader or, or that kind of stuff. So it's hard for me. I really don't have someone that jumps to mind. What about you? Yeah, no, no. <laughs> I'm going to put you on the spot. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I figured you might bounce it back to me. And of course, I don't have a ready-made answer either. <laughs> um, I, yeah. I, I admire folks that absolutely are here to make others better. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, to actually pinpoint exactly who that is, I'd have to do a little bit of... Um, legwork. All right. Well, maybe next yeah. week. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's funny that you say that because when I was talking with Donna Levinson, who's the Dean of Admissions at, at MIT Sloan, we have a question in the interviews we do with the admissions directors where we talk about favorite attribute in others, like what, what's something she admires in others. And she said, people who, um, you know, kind of celebrate the success and accomplishments of those around them and make those accomplishments possible. And I thought that was a really good answer. So kind of similar to what you're talking about. Yeah. Nice. Um, so that was good. Good to hear from her. Um, so on the website, we've done a couple more real numbers pieces. So I think we did one on tech placements and one on consulting placements. So people can head over the website and see, you know, how schools are placing folks in those domains. Um, and then, you know, other than that, we just have these events coming up in September that I want to remind our listeners of. We have a webinar we're going to do on the 15th of September which is about career switching with an MBA. So how to use an MBA to career switch. And we're doing that in conjunction with um, Georgia Terry School of Business. Um, and you can sign up for that at bit.ly forward slash career switch MBA, all one word, all lowercase. Um, we also have the essay events where we're going to be um, breaking down school's essay questions with their directors of admissions along for the ride. And we're doing those three consecutive Wednesdays, September 22nd, 
29th and October 6th. And we've got, uh, I mean, it's really a who's who of top schools, Berkeley, UNC, Columbia, Cornell, Ross, UT Austin, UCLA, Duke, Tepper, Yale, Stanford, uh, Chicago Booth, NYU, INSEAD, and LBS. And signups for those events are at bit.ly forward slash essay event series, all one word, all lowercase. So that'll be fun. Um, and then Alex will do uh, Clubhouse this week. Um, as always, um, we do them every Thursday at noon, so people can continue to tune into that if they want to connect with us and, and ask questions in real time. Um, there are no reviews, Alex, that we've gotten that I can share. Otherwise, I would have done so, um, but we didn't. Yeah, for some reason, we're not seeing a lot of love right now, but I know we have a lot of people listening, so I'm hoping that they're going to take a little time to leave us a review over on Apple Podcasts, if, if possible. I'm doing a, a guest appearance on the NBA coffee, coffee Chat Clubhouse, or I did one this, this last week. Oh, wow. Yeah. Cool. That's great. Yeah. yeah. You should ask me how it went. Yeah, but you didn't do it yet, did you? Or it's going to... Yeah, it's, it's in another hour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so we, will, we will know. <laughs> when this airs, we will know how it went. Um, yeah. So as always, if people want to reach out to us, just email us at info at clearadmit.com. Uh, use the subject line wiretaps, and we'll get back to you as soon as we can. Alex, um, let's move on and get into our, our wiretaps portion here. I know you've picked out three really interesting candidates, as always. So without further ado... This is Wiretap's candidate number one. So this is a candidate that's applying to five schools, and they are Berkeley, Harvard, MIT, Stanford, and Wharton. Um, they want to start in the fall of 22. Um, this person uh, has been working in consulting and then um, switched into a role in biotech. And after business school, has some entrepreneurial plans. GMAT score is 760. GPA 3.8, and they have four years of experience. Uh, they're located in the U.S., and um, this person is a 25-year-old Asian female. Um, so that's kind of the demographic information. And I did want to mention that they say, Hi, Alex and Graham. Huge fan of the podcast. It's my daily commute soundtrack. So um, so happy to hear that and to be providing that soundtrack. I know commuting can be a pain, so it's good to pass the time with us. Um, but Alex, this is an interesting candidacy in that this person, um, you know, has already made like a pivot, right? They did consulting for what they called a kind of not MBB, but just a tier below. And then they bounced from consulting where they were focused on healthcare into a biotech um, role. And they, they refer to it as a high impact role. Um, they're a little worried about their extracurriculars, but what do you make of this candidacy overall? I think she's outstanding, Graham. Um, and a couple of reasons why I say that. Um, engineering undergrad with a 388 GPA, that's, that's quite good, I think. Um, yeah. Then you couple that with a 760 GMAT. Um, obviously, the, you know, this person is way smarter than, than most people I've ever met, so that's absolutely fantastic. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, the other thing that I really like, like you say, this little bit of a pivot. So doing the consulting gig for a couple of years and then moving directly into industry in this sort of biotech um, um, space or whatever it might be in a high impact role, whatever that means. But it sounds to me like she's done very, very well. Um, so, you know, harking back on my, my time at the Wharton School, this is a sort of student I would meet on a daily, well, I'm not saying on a daily basis, this is probably one of the students that would stand out in that group of students that, that I, I would um, have the opportunity to, to meet um, at the Wharton School. So, yeah, Graham, quite honestly, 
um, she's a little bit worried about the the weakness of ECs. And and I, as people know that listen to this podcast on a regular basis, I hark on about um, extracurriculars. I really do think they're an opportunity for for candidates to truly stand out. But I think in the case of a candidate like this, when you are outstanding on all other more traditional metrics like academics and, and, and test score, like work experience and, and so forth, then yeah, ECs could could add more value. But I think this candidate is a superstar, Graham, anyway. Yeah. Um, not quite sure I know exactly what you would. Post-MBA, I'd like to get involved in healthcare entrepreneurship. So I... I'm hoping this candidate has a, a good focus on what that, that is, and I anticipate that she does. Um, and if she is applying healthcare entrepreneurship, you know, Wharton would be a great fit, right, Graham, um, through, through, through the healthcare management program. Um, but yeah, I, I really thought that this is a, a strong candidate. Yeah, I agree. And it's funny, I went to the same place that you did, which is I wondered about the post-MBA goals, like it'd be good to get a little more clarity. I mean, I, I think, you know, it sounds like she knows what she wants to do, um, but I feel like if you're going to go into the admissions process saying you're going to do healthcare entrepreneurship, the admissions reader will probably at some point um, want to know whether it happens in the interview or in the application itself. I think it's going to be important to, you know, just demonstrate that you've got some ideas um, based, ideally based on what you've seen out in the workplace. Um, you know, again, she was working as a consultant in healthcare and now at a biotech. So she's had a lot of exposure to the industry and presumably has some ideas. Um, because otherwise, you know, when you don't have a track record of being a successful entrepreneur, it's sort of like, you know, you're, you're telling the company you're going to go do something, but if you don't, if you're not clear about the idea you have, um, that could be problematic because a lot of people end up just doing something, you know, going to industry, working as a consultant or something first before they launch a venture. So I'd, I'd want to know like yeah, what the plans are. Is there already a business plan being crafted? Um, yeah. How is she kind of pursuing that? But otherwise I agree with you across the board, amazing numbers, good work experience, um, better than good work experience. And her ECs are not, it's not like they're non-existent. I mean, she mentioned she's done some stuff on the side. She called, mentioned a couple of side hustles. So she probably does some other um, things that she's got going. I'd love to know more about that. And she's done some volunteering as well. So I don't think she's devoid of, it's not like she's sitting on her couch, right, um, in her spare time. But again, I like this candidacy and I do not think she's aiming too high with her school choice. I mean, she has a really, um, high, you know, it's a really good list of schools. I noted that I think you mentioned um, Duke could be an addition uh, based on, you know, this healthcare um, focus if she wants to kind of spread her risk a little bit because she is, you know, the list is a top heavy list. Um, but overall, I, I like this candidacy a lot and yeah, I think she'll be successful. Yeah, completely agree. Um, all right. Well, I want to thank her for sharing the post and again, for listening to us as she commutes to work um, or wherever she's off to. Um, so let's move on. She, she, she must only go to work one day a week. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you can listen to the one podcast every day of the week. Yeah. Unless <laughs> she's going back and doing, you know, the, the back episodes, which, you know, then uh, I'll, 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 more power to her yeah. uh, for doing that. Uh, all right. So let's move on and talk about Wiretap's candidate number two. So this is another apply wire entry that we've received, and this person is focused on uh, applying in, you know, for 22. So they're going to be applying now and, and heading off to school next fall. They are applying to Georgetown, LBS, NYU Stern, Chicago Booth, and Yale, or at least that's the list that they um, put here. 
Um, they have been working in elite gymnastics as a pre-MBA career, and they're hoping to get into consulting um, and then maybe something related to sports um, management or the sports industry. And for the near term, the companies they listed are consulting companies. So they've got A.T. Kearney, Bain, BCG, Deloitte, and Kinsey. Um, the GRE score is a 328. They have a GPA of 3.6, and they have five years of work experience. They're located in um, uh, Tacoma, Washington, and they don't really have a preference about where they land after business school. Um, and again, the goal with them is they're hoping to kind of build their network and business knowledge through an MBA and some consulting before heading back into kind of sports-related um, you know, work as an executive. And they really want to reduce barriers for children who want to participate in sports and to create a separation um, between athletics for entertainment and athletics as a place for kids to develop life skills. So pretty interesting candidacy, but also wildly non-traditional. And I know you probed them on well, what have you been doing exactly in, in gymnastics pre-MBA. So I'm going to let you take the floor and kind of walk us through because they, they then provided a lot more detail. But what do you make of this candidacy and can you give us a little more background on their career today? Well, I'm going to ask you, what, is, what are the World Maccabia Games? Do you know? No, I'm not familiar with them, but I presume it's like a big, Olymp- you know, big kind of, there are all these Olympic-related sort of um, events that take place, right? Yeah. Um, but I'm not really sure. Uh, this person ended their athletic career leading Team USA to a silver medal at this event, and this individual placed third overall. So absolutely outstanding um, athlete um, in, in their discipline. And then they've gone on to be... And it sounds like, and I'm not going to go into all the all the detail, but a very successful coach, um, and 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 so on and so forth, remaining in elite um, gymnastics. Um, so, as you say, a a, a non traditional um, career, Graham, but absolutely outstanding. One one thing about you know, if you're an elite athlete, um, the dedication and the perseverance and the commitment that you've got to put into your craft every day to remain an elite athlete is mind-boggling, I'm sure. I'm not speaking from experience, Graham, <laughs> um, but, but I'm only speaking from imagination. I mean, I've got a huge hat tip for um, elite athletes who's then gone on to be a successful coach so to me that's sort of that mentoring that coaching I mean the, there are skills you learn through coaching itself that are very applicable to um, to 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 going on to ultimately become a sports executive or whatever whatever that they want they want to do so I am really high on this candidate quite frankly their their numbers are, are, are certainly in the ballpark for the top programs 328 GRE 364 um, GPA um, yeah I mean I told them to apply to Stanford answer that question what means most to me you know and whatever and why not, right? I, I do think this candidate, um, with good execution on their applications, that's one of the challenges for a less traditional candidate, is to make sure that their story really sort of is, is cogent, coherent, and so on and so forth. Um, but with good execution on their candidacy, Graham, I would be surprised if this candidate isn't at an M7 caliber program um, next season. 
Yeah, and I just want to underline, I mean, I, you know, I was kind of going through the work experience because, again, it's non-traditional. But when you look at some of the basic, um, <clears throat> you know, components of it, they have like, you know, they were director of operations for the 2018 um, University of Illinois men's gymnastics team, which was the Big Ten champion um, that year. So mm. they did that. Then, you know, most recently, I mean, this was kind of impressive to me as well. Um, they said that in their current role, they run the largest boys' gymnastics program in the Pacific Northwest and manage a quarter of a million dollar budget for the program, overseeing seven coaches and 80 plus athletes. So there's, you know, nice leadership. Um, obviously, a lot of teamwork is involved in, in sports and, and, you know, coaching. And so I, I feel like you, there, the, you know, there, there's a lot of, um, of good non-traditional um, work experience here. And I think it's going to resonate with, with those reading about this candidate and, and the application. I think they are, like you said, going to have to execute well on their essays. And, you know, this is that fun, uh, you know, kind of thing we talk about where it's like, if you're a traditional candidate, you've got to work to stand out. If you're non-traditional, you need to work a little bit to fit in and to talk about your work experience in ways that highlight, you know, leadership, teamwork, and, and have some structure. So they're going to need to do that. Um, I do agree with you that the numbers suggest that maybe they could add some schools at the top end of the spectrum. I mean, right now they have Booth on their list, which is a very top-ranked school. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, you do beg the question of, like, could they add some other programs. You mentioned Stanford. Do you think there are others? Because I, I noticed, um, I don't know if you want to mention this, but we had a bunch of comments on the ApplyWire post that came in, and it seemed like people were, you know, suggesting other schools and, yeah, that they aim high. Yeah, I mean, Harvard was thrown out there. I threw out Stanford. I'm like, go to any top program you can get into. That's going to help you get where you want to go. Um and yeah, they've listed good, yeah, very, very top schools, good programs, but there are others. And this person needs to be in the best program that they can get into. I'll bounce a question back to you, Graham. They said Yale is their ultimate goal, ultimate target. That's their, um, you know, absolute ambition. Mm -hmm. So back to you. If they got into Harvard or Stanford or Wharton, should they choose one of those three over Yale, given their goals and given their history and their background? Well, I mean, you know, they want to get into consulting in the short term. And frankly, you can do that from any of the top MBA programs. Um, and so the issue that I have is I don't really know um, whether any MBA program has like a demonstrable strength in sports management like there are some that have coursework Wharton actually has a, uh, some courses I think there are a couple other schools out there but I guess when we talk about the very best schools like it's not like any of these schools even the best of the best um, are sending more than like a couple percent <laughs> into areas like sports right so it's really I, I think it's going to be up to them I, I do think that you know if you have an offer from Stanford Harvard and and um, Wharton and Yale, many people, as we see on Decision Wire, will go to one of the, you know, one of the three, um, Harvard, Stanford, Wharton. But I understand what this person's saying when they talk about Yale's integrated curriculum and, and things like that, because they do have um, a really impressive um, uh, integrated curriculum. And, and they're just a slightly different way that they do things at Yale. So if this person's fallen in love with that, I'm not, it, it's such a, it's such a unique career path that they're headed down that I don't know that like, you know, it's going to matter as much, right? I think it's, they're going to have to forge their own path wherever they go to some extent. Um, so I don't know if you agree with that because I, but, but that's my take on it. I agree to it to some extent. I would still say choose Harvard, Stanford or Wharton over, over Yale um, in, in most cases. But 
to me, it resonates in the back of my, my mind, and I don't have any evidence to back this up, Graham, but if you're in gymnastics, um, the, the one university that seems to do well in that domain or has sent quite a lot of athletes um, to the USA team, isn't that Stanford? I think you're right. Yeah, there is a good tradition of Olympic sport coming out of Stanford. Yeah. There probably are other large, you know, but if we're talking about just MBA programs that may have the most... Um, yeah, yeah. No, no, for sure. Not the MBA program, but be at the university yeah. that's got probably the best or one of the top three MBA programs in the world. Right. Along with, in the broader university, one of the best athletic programs yeah. um, in, in your in your target sort of domain. Mm-hmm. That makes sense to me. Anyway, we can debate this on and on and on and on. I think the upshot of it is we think this candidate potentially could aim... Um, not, not, not the Yale's not top of the heap, but could could spread their risk a little bit and target one or two more real high caliber programs and make sure that they get into, um, you know, one of the very best programs in the country. Yeah, I agree. I think, um, and what was really cool with this entry is we saw, you know, the the kind of folks on the site chiming in. Um, with a lot of encouragement and, and you know, some ideas around uh, the schools to add, like you said. And I thought it was really cool um, to see the the person who, sh- you know, the, the candidate themselves come back and post at the end saying, wow, thank you all so much. This is a huge confidence boost for me. I'm a fan of the podcast and listen regularly on my commute to work. <laughs> so, um, so I thought it was just really sweet to see people kind of supporting this person, and, yeah. and then to, obviously to find out they listen to the to the show too. But yeah, so I I think they're going to go places, and I think they just need to work to position their work experience in an effective way, yeah. execute on the applications. Recommendations might be challenging, like they're going to need to um, manage the recommenders to to sort of um, follow through on this process. And I assume their recommenders are not going to be well-versed in writing these kinds of recs um, on a daily basis, the way some people are who come from like McKinsey or whatever. So that'll be a challenge too. But I think they can do it and I think they should aim high. Yeah. And one last word on this candidate. Don't be overconfident just because, you know, a couple of folks decide to tell you that, that, that you belong in a top program. The art of execution on, on you know, for, for, for a very strong um, application is remain humble. Absolutely. Yeah. In fact, when I've been speaking with admissions directors to do these Q&As that we've been running out there, we always ask them about attributes that they value in others, as we discussed earlier here. But, you know, I think humility comes up a lot, too, as an attribute. Yeah. So, yeah, keep that in mind. But thanks so much for that post. Um, let's move on and talk about Wiretap's candidate number three. So this is another Flywire entry, and the candidate is looking to start in the fall of 23. So they're a year away from applying and two years away from matriculating. They've got eight schools on their current target list, and those schools are Dartmouth, Duke, Michigan, Kellogg, Washington Foster, UT Austin, UVA, and Yale. And they've been working in the oil and gas service industry. Uh, Post-MBA, they're hoping to get into consulting or maybe tech and they've got companies like Accenture, Bain, BCG, McKinsey, and Tesla on the list. They've got a GPA of 3.64 and will have four and a half years of work experience when they matriculate. They're located in the US and they want to stay there. Um, and they indicate that um, in their notes, they indicate, uh, let's see, hi, Alex and Graham. Thanks for all the work you guys do on the podcast. For a while now, I've been listening to the newer episodes on Mondays, and I'm now going back towards the earlier episodes looking for more wisdom from you both. Um, So 
So I'll just wish them good luck there. I don't know if the earlier episodes have a lot of wisdom or not, but they'll find out as they go back <laughs> in time. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention about this candidate is that they are a 25-year-old male originally from India, um, and they are the first in their immediate and extended family to attend college. They did two years of undergrad in India before transferring to a top 10 mechanical engineering program in the U.S., where they graduated with a bachelor's and, as I mentioned, had a 3.6. Um, and since graduation, you know, which is about two and a half years ago, they've been working in the oil and gas sector. So what do you make of this candidacy? Because there's a lot going on in terms of, their, you know, they have time before they apply. So any specific advice there? And they're, you know, potentially overrepresented, but a little bit different, too. So how do you, what do you make of this one? Yeah, I mean, they've got to go into the, the process, as we've said this before, assuming they're going to be overrepresented. So, so in that regard, make sure they apply in the first round um, for, for each of the, their, their sort of ideal targets or whatever it might be. Um, so that, that's going to be important. But that said, there's a, there's a few sort of wrinkles to this case in terms of being overrepresented. They're first generation. Um, so I like that, as, as, uh, you know, in terms of how that comes across in the application, that would be very good. Um, so not only are they first generation going to college, but then they transferred in, in the second year to a school in, in the United States. Um, so not sure how that was precipitated and, and may, I assume it was um, also required a lot of scholarship or whatever it might be. Ultimately, they ended up in the States, fantastic, and they've established their career in the States, which, uh, which again sort of separates them a little bit from this overrepresented pool. But that said, they need to just still assume they'll, they'll fall, fall in that bucket in as much as getting that application in early. They haven't yet taken the GMAT, so they're applying in another year. So I do like that too, because they've, they've got time to sort of continue their, their evolutionary path, um, continue to make impact and so on and so forth. So to the extent that they can go to their supervisor or whatever and really get assigned, um, you know, rigorous projects over the next several months to further d develop, that would be very good um, and, and so forth. They haven't um, taken the GMAT. Their target is 740 to 760, which again is a ridiculously high number, but if they can hit that, that will serve them well. Um, their extracurriculars, maybe they're a little less impactful or whatever, but again, They've gone from someone that can't run a mile to a marathon runner, so there's probably some stories behind that, sort of perseverance and, and so on and so forth, discipline and structure. Um, they're raising money through their, their sort of um, endurance sports exploits and, and so on and so forth. So I guess my point here, Graham, is there's some interesting aspects to this story. Um, they need maybe sort of um, shedding out a little bit more. And the, the candidate has another year to really sort of develop a profile of impact, if you want to use that term, whether it's at work or outside of work. They absolutely must get into the first rounds to maximize their, their options. I don't think their target schools are too ambitious. I do like the spread of them. Um, so, 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 yeah, those are my initial thoughts, Graham. Yeah, so I, I guess I, I'm mostly in agreement. I mean, I think, obviously, if they can secure that GMAT score when they take the test of 740 to 760, that'll certainly help their case. They've been doing, like you said, running and cycling, and I think um, they've run a half marathon, so they're not to the marathon level yet, but they're working on it. And I think 
like you said, it's going to just be incumbent upon them to spend some time over the next year, you know, making as much impact as they can at work. I was focusing a little bit on the goals. So here they've been working in the oil and gas services industry for the last couple of years. It seems like that's what they're going to be doing until they start business school as well. So there's no career shift on the horizon. But in the goals section, they talk about consulting or maybe tech. And I was just wondering, how does that relate to what they've done to date? And is there anything you know that, you know, do they want to do consulting to that sector? Do they um, want to shift into kind of renewables? Like what, is there any kind of, um, and I know I say this like almost on every episode that we record, but is there any sort of path that can be followed from their work experience to date with respect to what they plan to do in the future? Or is this like a clean slate type thing where they're just like, no, I've done this oil and gas thing, not interested going to business school, but that I'm hoping that that's not the case. Like I'm hoping there's some way to weave this together. Um, you know, I, I don't know what it is and it's hard to know cause they didn't give us a lot of detail on their goals, but I would encourage them to reflect and to really think about what have they done to date that might be transferable in the career that they want down the road. And again, it could be something as simple as, you know, I've been in the oil and gas sector and I really want to get into renewable renewals or renewables, sorry. And maybe they're really interested in like, you know, battery technology. And so that's why Tesla was on their list or something. I don't know, but they need to think that through and ideally present a compelling case. Um, I don't know if you agree with that, but that was just something that jumped out at me a little bit. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense, Graham. Um, and as we know, yeah, having that sort of the goals, the guidance, sort of the passion to execute on a plan that, that has relevant, all that stuff's really important. So, so yeah, I would absolutely agree. What do you, what do you think about their school choice, Graham? I mean, they're, they're concerned they might be overshooting, but I don't think so. Right. Yeah. I think, I mean, obviously it'd be good to have that GMAT score on board before really commenting, but I, you know, I like the fact that they did half their undergrad in the States. They have this interesting story of being first in family to go to college yeah. And this list is really a, a broad spread from, you know, they've got UT Austin and, and Foster, which would be great for tech placements. Um, and then they've got, you know, schools like Kellogg and, and Tuck and, and Yale at the top end of their list. So it seems fine to me. Yeah, I think um, obviously let's assume they hit the GMAT score that they want, but I'm OK with it. It's a good spread of schools um, and seems well suited for what they want to do, although, you know, would want to know more <laughs> about what they want to do. But if, if just consulting or tech writ large, this seems like a fine list to me. Yeah, very good, very good. All right, well, thanks, Alex, for picking out these profiles as always, and I want to thank the candidates who submitted um, to the to the website. It makes our show that much easier when we get all these great candidacies to discuss. Um, so, Alex, we'll be back in one week's time when I will finally be um, having completed my U.S. kind of travels. I'll be back um, in Paris for next week's episode. Um, but, yeah, thanks again, Alex, and I guess we'll see you in one week's time. Very good. Best of luck, everyone. Stay safe.